Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the March 13, 20 edition of Ask a Leader. Well, today it's a gusher of a show from women making history to the reversal of the fortunes of the National Rifle Association. We'll begin with Martha Wheelock of Wild West Women Films and Zoe Nicholson, creator and performer. Both are veritable brain trust to women's movements, women's worth over the ages. Ms. Nicholson's upcoming production will be staged in Long Beach on March 30th, Tea with Alice and Me, the details of which will be covered on this show. Then, Charles Bleck, with the Orange County chapter of the Brady Campaign for the Prevention of Gun Violence, has a whole lot to say since his January 23rd appearance on this show. Like walkout scheduled for tomorrow, if you're listening live, that's March 14th. And that's a March walkout in Orange County. And the March Save Our Lives in Orange County and around the nation on March 24th. Two San Juan Hill seniors and activists, Olivia Fu and Kate Finman, join him as they cover what they are organizing locally. We'll be right back after a short station break. Thank you for staying tuned, everyone. My guests for the first portion of the show are Martha Wheelock of Wild West Women Films and Zoe Nicholson, creator and performer of an upcoming show we're going to talk about, Tea with Alice and Me. Martha Wheelock has been an educator and filmmaker for 40 years, keeping tabs, producing the pieces, and giving uh, the women amidst our midst their due. She founded Ishtar Films, then more recently Wild West Women Films. Martha serves on the board of the National Women's History Project and Girls Learn International as a mentor at Girls Today, Women Tomorrow, and a member of the Alliance of Women Directors. She completed her BA at Earlham College, her master's and PhD at New York University, and credentials at the American Film Institute. Among her many illustrious collaborations is one with Madeline Langle, author of A Wrinkle in Time, and we know that's been getting its due in its recent release as a film. Now a much-attended film, I said, directed by Ava DuVernay. Zoe Nicholson is my other guest. She completed her bachelor's degree in Roman Catholic theology from Quincy University and her master's degree in ethics and religion from the University of Southern California. She taught high school for five years, then opened a woman's bookstore in California called Magic Speller Bookstore. She's also worked as a systems analyst, production tester, and project leader on Wall Street, as well as co-founding a specialized recruiting firm offering expertise in client-server architecture and graphical design. But it's her activism that is our leaping-off point today. Zoe's been an equality activist speaker, writer, and organizer for over 50 years. She discovered Miss Alice Paul while fasting for the Equal Rights Amendment in 1982. Zoe's been studying nonviolent direct action, social justice, and equity while spending her knowledge working in the peace, labor, women's, and LGBTQ 
movements. Tea with Alice and Me is what she calls her heart song to Miss Paul as she introduces to the public the brilliant, strategic, relentless champion of equality. Martha Wheelock comes to us, I believe, from Culver City, Martha? Studio City, yes. Culver City in L.A. And Zoe, are you in Long Beach? I am. I'm in Long Beach. In Long Beach. I want to welcome both of you to ask a leader. Happy International Women's Day all days of the year to you, too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Everybody out there. Everybody out there. Exactly. Well, the theme for this year's National Women's History Project is, and I quote, Nevertheless, she persisted honoring women who fight all forms of discrimination against women. End of quote. I know it's a big bite to chew on, but let's have both of you, and you can just let us know as we get acquainted with each of your voices, let, um, have both of you weigh in separately about what themes that persist over the centuries and what would our forebears have to say about Me Too and Time's Up? Uh, well, the, the women that the National Women's History Project are honoring this year this is Martha? are women we don't know necessarily because they've been working uh, at grassroots levels in, in women's health care, rights for uh, women Vietnam uh, veterans, uh, sexual uh, harassment, Title IX, all of the issues that we thought we had uh, come up before uh, but still are working on. And these were, were women that started met many of the first activisms and uh, legal rights. For example, Geraldine Ferraro in 1984 was the first woman on a uh, candidate on a national political party ticket, and that's 1984. And then, of course, we have a repeat with a, not only uh, Palin, but with Hillary Clinton. So those are still some of the issues that are, that are out there. I think that the suffragists knew that it took 72 years for us to get the, earn the right to vote, win the right to vote. And it's a slow movement, and we're working on it, but we can't give up because they never gave up. And none of these women who have been working in these trenches for many, many years are not giving up either. That's Martha. Zoe? Hi, yes, this is Zoe Nicholson. You know, I'm just a baby compared to Alice Paul. Uh-huh. She lived to be 92. Yes. And I'm turning 70 this summer. Okay. Uh, I, I think of that often because... I have found there is no choice but to persist. And fortunately, I have some sisters that are a year older, two years older, 20 years older, who are still working in their particular lane of the application of equality. I know Martha just gave you a marvelous list of all the different places where women have worked to chip away at the fact that we are terribly unequal here in the United States. That has not been remedied. We have never broken through the 20% marker uh, in Congress. I know we celebrate like crazy when one more woman gets elected, but statistics tell us that until women are one-third of any legislative body, their actual impact is not measurable. So we have a long way to go, and I've never thought being persistent was an option. Well, and yes, Martha? I was going to agree with Zoe. For example, only less than 1% of the Fortune 500 companies actually have 
a woman at the helm. And that in, in the corporate world, that's very important that we know how much better a, a corporation can run and wider it can run when there are women on the board and when there are women at the, at the helm. That's a big nut to get into, uh, for sure. Well, and we have, on this show, we have done that with a UCI School of Management faculty member, and she talked about how firms prosper with women. They're, they're much, much more productive contributions on these boards. So we, we have been covering it. We're on it. So uh, we get to talk now in the sort of this political realm. So as some of the posters at recent rallies, some of you all know, I've already seen it. The quote, I'll quote one of them is, I can't believe that I'm still protesting this stuff, end of quote. Does it seem to you both as though the culture wars of the turn of last century continues in our current situation. I, I, this is Zoe, and uh, I, I believe that that sign might have been carried by a young person or somebody new to the movement um, or somebody who took a long time out. Uh, I know uh. that happened on January 30th, 1982. A lot of people dispersed after the deadline of the ERA passed. And I must say that August 27th, 1920, most people dispersed from politics after the 19th Amendment was passed. Uh, you know, I do believe it takes this long. I am <laughs> working day and night. Tonight, for example, the city of Long Beach is voting on whether or not we could be a sanctuary city, as uh, Santa Ana already has become. Yes, it does take that long. It takes a very long time for the culture to change and the laws to catch up to the cultural changes that happen in society. So I appreciate the sign. I saw it quoted many times. Yes. I saw it photographed. Right. But um, I do think it takes a long time. Martha? And it's, and it's one of the reasons that we need to celebrate and honor and learn about what women in history have been doing because it shows the dedication, it shows what it takes for all of these advancements and progresses, progressions to take place. And when we honor these women and when we know about them, it gives us uh, power, it gives us inspiration, it gives us, I guess, what you would say, permission to keep on moving and not giving up and not being unaware. Um, so I, I really believe in women's history. It's my right to know it. Most people don't know it, and I think it's a, a bell to be rung. And every day, um, honoring, for, not just today or in this month, uh, but uh, we should have some, some recognition every day. Well, since it's 50% plus of the population, maybe let's start with an alarm to go off, and then we can ring some bells. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah. yeah, so we're looking for that alarm, in fact, and I must tell you that in yes. August of 1920, Miss Paul said that uh, she never thought women were going to use the vote effectively. And, oh. uh, and as we just saw, women did not vote in their own favor in their own progress in this last presidential election, um, it, it was not economically or, or socially in their favor to vote for the person that it appears most white women voted for. And that is why Miss Paul went on 
uh, right after the 19th Amendment was passed, she did something truly interesting. Well, every day of her life is truly interesting to me. But she went and got three law degrees at age 35. Yes, yes. And she did that because she wanted to change the United States Constitution. She believed that the vote was simply one pebble on the way to equality and that full equality under the law would not exist until women were explicitly included in the Constitution. And, of course, we know that Ruth Ginsburg agrees with her. Yeah, well, and we're going to hopefully get to mention her as we're covering such a huge swath of, of American politics. Both both of you are dedicated, I'm going to, it's quoting uh, Zoe Nicholson, dedicated to bringing these women alive so that we can be as revolutionary as they are. And so let's talk about this do you see that more opportunities are on the horizon? Is the log jam breaking up with the entertainment and other sectors? Like when we heard about the inclusion rider being named, and people oh, really? So do you see that? Is there a new kind of surge of awareness and mobilization? And then we're going to open it all the way up about Alice Paul, because she is so amazing. Well, I'm very heartened by the number of women who are signed up to uh, run for political office. It is one of the beginnings of the uh, breaking up of the logjam uh, in 1992, or was it 94, when we had the Year of the Women? 92. Uh, I was on the Feminization of Power tour around the country, and women would stand up then and say that they would run for office, and we got more women in Congress that year than any, any other year. But th- this year has to be it for women running and, and working and knowing that they can succeed when they run. We can't win if we don't run. Zoe, did you have anything to add to that? You know, I could just listen to Martha all yes. day. Uh, <laughs> she has traveled and made these films, which really means she has met these women. She has uh, studied how they won the vote here in California at a level right. that only a teacher could understand, and she teaches us <laughs> through her films. Working with her has been extraordinary, and every time we speak, it seems, she reminds me, she calls it our work and yeah. and uh, we talk almost every day and she talks Zoe about it's our work and to me that means to pull women out of invisibility and uh, yeah. that is absolutely the flag that I fly I think that many women if we only knew what had gone on before this moment um, it would deeply inform our next step right Right. And um, it worries me, it concerns me uh, that we are not, uh, we are letting women fall into invisibility. I would challenge your audience to know who Lee Krasner is. I walked into a house uh, several years ago, and there was a painting by Lee Krasner. Yes. And I knew mm-hmm. who it was. I almost uh, lost it. But I'm sure that your audience might know who Jackson Pollock right. is. Her husband, right? But her right. work is, a, yeah, that indivisibility. So, and, I, and may I, may I yes. just put a plug in for for my latest film, which was on uh, the suffrage martyr Inez Milholland. Yes, and nobody knows that there was a woman <laughs> who actually died in the work on the trail, trying to earn women the right to, to vote, and she dies at the age of thirty here in Los Angeles after a strenuous trip around the country, giving 50 speeches in 28 days. And uh, that kind of dedication, that kind of 
that kind of life-giving energy we should say to every woman in this country, someone died for my right to vote, I better vote, and I, I'm honored to vote for her life-giving energy. Absolutely. Well, for those of you who just tuned in, carrying the banner of removing this invisibility of only only a half of the population. My guests are Martha Wheelock, educator and filmmaker, and Zoe Nicholson, writer, performer, and activist. Uh, she's Zoe's presenting in Long Beach on March 30th, Tea with Alice and Me. It's uh, the intersecting lives of two militant visionaries, Miss Alice Paul and Zoe Nicholson. It, we'll talk about it at the Beverly O'Neill Theater in Long Beach on March 30th in the evening. But let's, let's talk about Alice, lest we can... Fuse her with her famous peer, uh, Ms. Toklas. Let's talk completely, thoroughly, head-on about Alice Paul and what, Zoe, you're trying to present as a model, a guide to political engagement and civic life in our time. Like you've called her the American feminist Gandhi and more. Well, that's true, and it, it, I, every time I find it in print, I just jump up and down with excitement. Yes. In July of 1909, when uh, Emmeline Pankhurst was teaching uh, how, about getting the vote, uh, it's a very famous photograph of her in Royal Albert Hall, um, with deeds, not words, over the, a, a banner behind her, Miss Pankhurst, um, that in that room were two of her students, one of them being Alice Paul, and the other, another famous student being Mohandas Gandhi. Oh, These two where... people were there from different backgrounds. Uh, he fell into uh, the sort of circle of people because he was uh, a vegetarian wandering the streets of a highly carnivorous <laughs> society in England. And he uh, found the vegetarian society, and that led him to the women who were working on the vote. And when Ms. Panker suggested that they begin using violence, setting buildings on fire, breaking windows, I laugh. I always think of it as uh, their form of Twitter. They okay. would put notes on rocks and throw the rocks through windows. Ah. That both Mohandas and Alice left because each of them in their own ways, Alice being Quaker and Mohandas being uh, both Hindu and Muslim, felt that violence was not the way to get the outcome that they wanted. And, of course, he went to South Africa and on to India, but Alice actually coming home to the United States began teaching the ways of nonviolent direct action long before he did. So now when we hear of nonviolent direct action being practiced in the United States, it's ascribed to Martin Luther King, which, as you know, was uh, 50 years later. I believe that women today, marchers today, women uh, who are working for equality would benefit greatly if we had held Alice up as the American teacher of nonviolent direct action. And it's a form of invisibility that is suffocating us. Um, we don't have museums. We don't have shelves in bookstores. Uh, all the women's bookstores, there were 197 of them at the turn of this century, and now we're down to five. You know, we, we are being denied the power 
that Martha is documenting and, and making available to us. And I really do believe that uh, Ms. Paul, if she were recognized for everything she did, our lives would be significantly better. And uh, there's a couple of things here that she lived until 1972, do I understand correctly, Zoe? 77. 77. So was she she able to be pretty active? Because, see, that's the invisibility. I don't even know what she was doing all her life until... Well, I can tell you what she did on her 92nd birthday. Okay. Which I think is rather fun. She was at a senior living home actually on land that owned by one of her ancestors, William Penn. Oh, my. Uh, and she was told in advance that Betty Ford was going to call and wish her a happy birthday. And she was concerned whether or not the phone was going to reach to her wheelchair. And, and the nurses helped her with her hair and get her lipstick on, and the phone rang, and Mrs. Ford said, Happy birthday, Alice. Happy 92nd birthday. And Alice said, You know, thank you so much, but do you think you might be able to talk to your husband about the ERA? Right there. Right now. Right. Oh, my word. <laughs> so, and what was the answer? You know, what was she her was fa- never at rest. And, that, and her childhood commitments, well, I suppose young woman commitments, she made a commitment in her late teens that she would never read her beloved mystery books ever uh, until women achieved equality. And, of course, it didn't happen in her lifetime. So she never went back to reading her beloved mystery books. And she also made a promise that she would never spend more than 90 cents a day on food. And she never broke that either. Um, This is a woman of unparalleled dedication, uh, which is uh, my definition of militant, that it is um, outside of uh, a choice. Her persistence was not a choice. It simply was her soul's calling to be infinitely persistent. And uh, so now you know, yes, she lived to be 92 and left us in 1977. Well, I I mean, I'm thinking everybody wants to know, what did Betty Ford answer to the request that Alice Paul gave her? (laughs) Well, her husband was uh, leaving office very shortly. Oh, he had not so much political capital. uh, There was little he could do. Okay. But Alice was aware that she needed the presidential support, as she did with the vote. Um, She knew that she would either draft Mr. Wilson into supporting the amendment for women to vote, or it would be lost. Even though we were going state by state in the ratification process, it did require the White House to be enlisted, and that's what she did um, in interrupting both of his inaugurations. Well, tell us about your performance of Miss Alice Paul. Well, you, uh, this, the use of the word tea is not without a bit of guile. Yes. You, you <laughs> know, one of the first boycotts that we know about here in the U.S. is uh, women in 1774 began boycotting British tea before the Boston Tea Party. Okay, all right. Um, we have used tea as a method of revolution, and uh, certainly in India, the growing and selling of tea has been used as a cottage industry. It's one of the first ways that women began participating in uh shall I say, retail marketing and making their own money, it was seen as a revolution with Tulsi tea. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. But um, tea has been an important component 
Harry Selfridge knew that in putting a tea room originally in Marshall Fields in Chicago and eventually at Selfridge's in London. It was the place where ladies could meet that gentlemen didn't care to go in. And, of course, what went on in those tea rooms was revolutionary. Very. And so you are going to personify her, and you'll be educating us, we in the audience. It's at the Beverly O'Neill Theater in Long Beach. Yes, it's named after Beverly O'Neill, who at one time was the mayor of Long Beach. And by the way, I'm not a reenactor. I'm Zoe Nicholson, a person who fasted for 37 days publicly for the Equal Rights Amendment, a person who's speaking tonight at the Long Beach City Council on Sanctuary, a person who's been an activist uh, as far back as eight years old when I told my mother, well, intelligent people don't buy grapes because the farm workers are suffering. As my Republican John Birch Society mother looked at me and said, who are you? (laughs) Um, I I am not a reenactor. I am going to be talking about Alice and explaining what a great and deep and lasting inspiration she is. An interactor. Well, interaction. I I define it more like a TED Talk on steroids. Okay. Um, But it's exciting and interesting and funny, and it's been well-reviewed. We had a premiere in... West Hollywood, and uh, I'm very excited to be putting this on here in Long Beach at the Beverly O'Neill Theater. And by the way, I understand Beverly O'Neill is going to be in attendance. Oh, my goodness. Star. That's exciting, isn't it? Oh, that is exciting. Uh, uh, you may drop her name in some way. You, but uh, now, is there is there improvisation in as a part of your delivery, or does it, uh, you want to keep it all uh, on the QT until we all show up on the 30th? I'm telling stories, one after the other, okay. of uh, the people that I know who knew Alice. I'm telling stories about the women at Seneca who sat around and drank oolong tea while they made the Declaration of Women's Rights. I am following the incendiary thread of tea through the women seeking their own space and having some privacy. And once they came out of their homes and out of the parlors and they found one another, uh, that's when the revolution began. So in preparation for this, and it's a, it's a bit of a kind of a dog leg, but it's, it's all under what's getting missed in our attention with what other people deem more important. But that I, I want to just give Zoe and Martha potentially, too, a moment. We have just but a moment to bring up what is going on with forced underage marriage. It's still a thing, as they say, Missouri is the so-called destination wedding spot for teen brides. That is a... a I don't know the verb for this. What this is doing for to minors who are covering the for the men who would have been the rapists. What is? Uh, let's just bring that up, and so that people understand that's one of the things perpetrated on the most vulnerable women, minors. Well, as we as we know, this is a very very deeply ancient um, experience in our civilizations of all kinds. Uh, that is the role of men and women. And uh, it's a hard knot to get uh, uh, out of us. I'm just finishing Mary Beard's uh, discussion of where uh, women were in the Greek and Roman civilizations, how it's been embedded in us, in our DNA, that uh, these roles are cemented. 
and we have to be groundbreakers, and, and, and it is appalling, but the best thing that's happening is the exposure of it, so we can actually see that it's there, so we can register it, so we can speak out about it, and so we can listen to the, the wisdom of people who have, uh, have found ways to expose it. That was Martha. Zoe? Well, I think Margaret Atwood certainly has a lot to teach us, Uh, and I'm very interested in how activists around the country are dressing up as uh, handmaidens um, when they are uh, faced with uh, such terrible legislation. I think that women being viewed as uh, only machines to make male children, nothing new there, uh, and disposable, replaceable, you know, I, I... I am deeply disturbed that Melania Trump has not left her husband and that, um, you know, his dalliances, which, what a stupid word, his um, use of women uh, has not motivated her to just up and leave. And, uh, but I think that that is just as indicative of uh, women being viewed as um, non-human. Yeah, and it's very disturbing. And you know, sometimes we just have to move forward, put the next foot in front, and move forward uh, in our own lives. I will close with this idea. Thank you. I'm often asked by college students, um, "What would the world be like if women ran it?" And I look them right in the soul. Yes. And I tell them, "I have no idea. We have no idea." what lies within this untapped, invisible resource. And uh, I'm very uh, much looking forward to us having that answer. And I'm looking forward to seeing this, the likes of Miss Alice Paul brought into our very uh, curriculum. It's, it's not, a ch- as I say, it's not a checkoff list. It's sort of like, it's just the missing piece in all of these... You know, texts, these history texts that we're all reading. Well, I want to thank both of you. There's a lot more to learn from you. I think that's a wonderful closing comment. We have no idea. We, we're we at the edge of our seats to know what when we could see more women participating. And that's from everywhere, from local all the way up to international. I know that's what you're thinking, Zoe and Martha. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's thank you so much for this time, Claudia. Thank- I'm so pleased to spend my Tuesday morning with you. Oh, and your thank audience. you, thank you, both of you. We're going to close out with a little uh, RB. R- thank you. I want to thank my guest, Martha Wheelock, educator and filmmaker, and Zoe Nicholson, writer, performer, and activist, presenting in Long Beach on March 30th. Tea with Alice and Me, the intersecting lives of two militant visionaries, Miss Alice Paul and Zoe Nicholson. It's at the Beverly O'Neill Theater in Long Beach on March 30th, as I said, 6.30 p.m. The best way to get tickets, Zoe, is how before we close. Uh, it's on Eventbrite. Just search on Tea with Alice and Me, Long Beach, March 30th. You'll you, find it. And then you can read all about Alice Paul as well in preparation for the talks. Thank you, ladies, very much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. So we're going to be up next with uh, Charles Black and with 
uh, Olivier Fu and Kate Finman to talk about the Brady campaign and the local campaigns coming up tomorrow and on March, the March for Our Lives on the 24th. Be right back after short station break. You've reached those heights. You always fight for equal justice. A diva in our eyes. Originalist can touch I made the change from a Cambridge dame to up close and personal with a New York game. CLS I teach. They don't just give tenure track away. Spread love. It's the Brooklyn way. RB Juicy with Notorious RBG. Thank you for checking back in with the show. My next guests are... Charles Black, who returns to the show. He's of the Orange County chapter of the Brady Campaign of the Prevention of Gun Violence and the two student activists from San Juan Hills High School joining him are Olivia Fu, co-president of the Young Democrats, and Kate Finman, also with the club. A great deal has taken place since Charles was here on January 23rd. Olivia and Karen Re, uh, very much reinforce that point. Charles Black is founder and president of the Orange County chapter of the Brady Campaign Center for the Prevention of Gun Violence. He's been honored for his work by Loyola Law School, Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence, Brady Center to Prevent Gun Violence. and uh, He's published at, uh, with our Second Amendment with the American Bar Association. He's provided testimony, as we talked about in his previous uh, introductions. Kate Finman and Olivia Fu are seniors at San Juan Hills High School. They're cutting up now. We can hear it all, girls. <laughs> they, oh, can you hear us? Yeah, we can hear I'm everything sorry, you're doing over there. there. So they both grew up in Southern California and have cared about politics for as long as they can remember. They're interns on a 49th Congressional District campaign right now and thrive upon being activists, as you shall soon hear. Kate and Olivia are the students organizing the National Student Walkout for their school. That's happening tomorrow, if you're listening live, March 14th, as well as Register to Vote Campaign and Candidate Forum. So Olivia will be heading this fall for Stanford, and Kate is mulling her options. These ladies come to us today from San Juan Capistrano and Charles Bleck from Laguna Hills. Welcome, everybody, to Ask a Leader. Thank you. Thank you, Claudia. Well, I'm going to start with, I've got in front of me, the full-page ad taken out by the students from the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, uh, the Survivors, and the Never Again Movement founders. And they're trying to rally support in different ways. Uh, They're thanking uh, lots of corporations that have pulled out of some of their NRA or all of their NRA kind of bennies and uh, thanking them all. So that's a little different. And so they close with, for this really to be never again, we all have to stand together. Students, businesses, survivors, elected officials, leaders. We invite everyone to participate in our movement, even if you don't agree with everything we say. Believe us, we don't always agree with each other, but we know what's happening today can't stand. We know we want it to change, and we know this is just the beginning. It's formidable kinds of speeching, speechifying. Charles Let's start with you taking measure of how much the landscape may have changed since your January 23rd appearance. Well, in short order, our friend Emma from uh, Stoneman Douglas High School had over a million followers. Uh, that 
from somebody in my age generation just amazes me. Uh, <laughs> that's the difference is the ability to interact and the ability to communicate and, quite frankly, the ability to say, hey, uh, as they quoted from that speech that I saw on television, they are very, very attuned to the realistic part of this particular debate and what we're getting from some of our politicians are, quote, BS, and quite frankly, I'm glad they're not going to stand for it anymore. Thanks for staying clean on the language, you know. You, uh, I, I never knew that Charles Buck might get me close to the obscenity, profanity, indecency uh, rules uh, breaking. So th- oh, thanks, buddy, you, you trimmed you, it. No, you did it. You, you walked right to the line and you didn't walk over. Well done. So, um... Is it? But does it feel different to you that in terms of the mobilization, some, I mean, some legislative outcomes, we know there there's uh, some walkbacks that happened uh, since we were starting to set up this whole show and the, and the main players in this debate. I think that it's important the fact that, first of all, even though there will probably not be any floor votes this congressional year, that we have bills now on the federal level that are being introduced. We have a bill for universal background checks, which we have in California. We have a federal bill for limiting the size of ammunition clips to no more than 10 bullets. We have that in California. We have a bill to ban assault weapons. We have that in California. We have extreme risk restraining orders, and we have a gun violence restraining order in California, all of which should be very, very unique and easily explained to our California delegation and then explained to the federal level because it's all working in California. Well, didn't though that with this change of the landscape to some extent, it brought the California model to national level attention, no? Absolutely. And what's important in California, we over the last 20 years, we've reduced our gun mortality rate by 61% which is 27% greater than the national average. Our strong California laws are working, and people are now waking up to that. Okay. So we talked a little bit in preparation is that there was a walk back. Now we've got, there was some attention at the National and the White House about the background checks being expanded and raising the age to buy assault weapons, but it got turned around into more of a discussion about we're going to arm the heck out of our educators instead of have them do their little blue book planning. Yeah, the president had his photo off. He wanted to expand background checks, raise the age to purchase assault weapons, and he did talk in a way about the extreme risk law. Unfortunately, he has walked away from and backed away from all of those, and now he has simply given the NRA mantra, more guns in the school, more guns, more guns, more guns. And that simply is not going to solve the problem. Well, there, there. Well, let's talk uh, now about the plans for tomorrow if you're listening live it's on march 14th first i'd like to give olivia and kate you are organizing around a modest proposal of quote something has to change you're starting with bridging the political divide on your own campus tell us about that olivia and kate um, yeah, thank you. Well, this I mean, Olivia? after the shooting had happened, and this was like another big tragedy, um, we're personally friends with like the leaders of the Republican group on our campus, 
and we came to realize that you know like there's more there are more things that we agree on in this subject there are more um, common ground than things that are different and that it's kind of a shame that our congress people can't realize that and come together so uh, we decided to make this a big nonpartisan movement and try to get as many students engaged and involved um, as we possibly can and just really really show um, that it's about coming together as community and unity. We want to be the example for Congress people. That's Kate, the second. Yeah, okay. So, um, so you know, there's personally, you're personally familiar with each other. I mean, that's the same dynamic that's going on national level leadership, but there's something, something changing in your navigating that political divide. What's that? What can you tell us? Some ingredient that they're missing nationally, unless it's that you just don't have the NR, you don't have Dana Lesh marching around your campus telling you uh, what, you know, what jerks you are or something. <laughs> right. And I mean, I think a big part of it is listening to each other and respecting each other. There's really no outside influences on us, like telling us that we have to have these opinions or um, like no one's giving us money in the same way that uh, like the NRA and other organizations are uh, almost bribing our Congress people. So we're able to have these civil conversations and uh, talk to each other and really find out like what we agree on and where we can come together for solutions. And another thing that we've recognized is that compromise is very important. So as we were planning our walkout, we were talking to the Republicans and the Libertarians on campus to see what they wanted and what they thought would be a good solution as well. And? Oh, well, so we all agree that something needs to change, and we all agree that it should be a tribute to the victims. And so we were able to put specific policy ideas aside and um, have our event be more of a tribute to the victims and also a demand for action by Congress, because the problem is with Democrats and the problem is with Republicans, because like, no one group can be blamed. That change hasn't happened yet. As a closet wordsmither, I just want to offer, before you have your various forums, Kate and Olivia, we can replace the word tragedy with the word catastrophe. I, I think there, it, was, it fits the bill better. Tragedy has a redemptive aspect to it, there, and 17 young lives gone, and, and uh, adult lives. I think catastrophe really does speak further to just how, what a, a horrible horrible thing had transpired uh, mm-hmm. on that campus there. So let's let's talk about tomorrow what you're going to do. You you've sort of got partial sanctioning from your campus administration. What is going to happen at the national walkout the way it's going to look at at San Juan Hills High School. So um we're going to start by making a short speech just thanking everyone for coming and encouraging students to vote because that's what's really important if we get the vote. Um, And then we are going to read off the name of the victims of each victim and have a student place a or an orange flower on a, an empty desk with their framed photograph and their story because we really want to give recognition to the lives that were lost. Um, and then we, for the remainder of the 17 minutes, students are going to call their Congress people to hopefully jam the phone lines um, and write letters to their Congress people so that it's it's clear that change needs to happen and that their constituents want change to happen. Where will and, this happen? 
Um, we're not leaving our campus, so we're walking out to a location on our campus. Okay, and that's where every the, all the props are set up there. I mean, yes. I, I'm not being dismissive, but it's just the, the desks and the chairs and, and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so I'm just wondering, at 10 o'clock on uh, Pacific Daylight Time now, uh, is it going to be a sort of a uh, same-time situation? Well. Will it be happening all over, uh, and people that are jamming the lines from every congressional district around the country? Um, this was something that we'd actually worked on in our coalition of other high schools. So uh, students from all the other high schools in Capistrano Unified School District, we all got together in um, some private schools as well in this area. We talked about uh, certain like commonalities that we wanted to have across all of the walkouts to sort of show both like a united front and to like maximize the impact that we have. So everyone calling at 1010 was one of the things that we'd um, agreed on. Okay, and you want a little, we could do a little, a loud call to action. Other people could be calling 1010 as well in their homes, in the, the sanctity of their homes or their offices. For sure, for sure, yeah. Okay. And these, it's mainly congressional offices as well as Senate offices? I think, yeah, we are targeting, at least in the 49th, we're targeting Daryl Issa and Senator Dianne Feinstein. Okay. Well, and when we talk about this, that there was a very um, major move the Latina, Latino walkout, whose 50th anniversary was commemorated just last week. Are you feeling sort of like you're, you're standing on their shoulders with this kind of statement to make, to start shoving public policy in a certain direction? I mean, yeah, we read this really interesting article about the the Chicano walkouts in the newspaper, and I think a, a big point from that was the adults weren't taking action, so the students did. And I think they really opened the doors for future generations like us to follow in their footsteps and uh, do something similar. And more than that, we we take inspiration from movements all across history, uh, like the suffragette movement and the civil rights movement, because we see that they stood up and created change through peace, and that is what we are looking for as well. Well, if you weren't in class, you could have heard the previous interview, and we talked about Alice Paul. So that that's an assignment I'm going to offer now, is just check, check in on what Alice Paul did, her long life, her 92 years as a suffrage and a major strategist like the most famous person we've never heard of in in suffrage politics. So that, that's uh, something you can do along the way when you're uh, acknowledging those those movements. For those of you who've just tuned in, you're listening to Ask a Leader. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh. My guests in advance of tomorrow's March 14 National School Walkout and the March 24th March for Our Lives are Charles Black, board member of the Orange County chapter of the Brady Campaign for the Prevention of Gun Violence, and Olivia Fu and Kate Finman, student activists from the San Juan Hills High School in southern Orange County. County. It's a that's pretty pivotal that that location and that kind of activism happening. Let's talk now. On March twenty fourth, there's a whole lot going on nationally and locally. That there's the March for Our Lives, and we're going to also shoehorn a, a different event that's going to take place just before the Santa Ana rally. So Charles, Olivia, and Kate, roll out what you want us to to know about March twenty fourth. Um, well, I can start. So for um, for what we want to do is we just want to get as many people into into the streets as possible and writing their Congress people to share their voice. Um, one thing that comes from these movements is 
uh, people have to pay attention to us. So we're really looking, especially students. Yeah, we really want to get the youth presence at this march and the youth voice to really um, tie in how this is starting with like the high, the high school and the college level. I think it's a powerful optic. I mean, I, just to keep it, it came out very powerfully in uh, the days, the hours after the Parkland massacre. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that works. Charles, you were going to also Claudia, talk about... We're going to have the Great American Write-In this morning of the 24th. It'll be at the Delphi Center in Santa Ana. There will be approximately 70 different organizations there tabling with their information. It's a tremendous opportunity to become aware of the political landscape. After that, uh, Brady campaign will be over at Centennial Park in Santa Ana, 3000 West Edinger Avenue, Santa Ana. We are tabling. We will have our material there. More importantly, there will be folks there to register folks. And the key here is getting the vote out. You need to understand that you don't have to be 18 to register. You simply have to be 18 the day you actually vote. So the bottom line is it's going to be a fantastic day. The great American write-in in the morning at the Delphi Center in Santa Ana, and then we go over to the park, Centennial Regional Park, in the afternoon, 2 o'clock. Uh, we're anticipating a huge crowd. More importantly, the energy that's going to be generated will carry over. And there's one thing our politicians recognize is that if they do not listen to their constituents, they have the ability to be removed at the ballot box. And the Centennial Regional Park, just to shoehorn in, it's at 3000 West Edinger Avenue in Santa Ana. I'll post that in the podcast summary so everybody knows where that is. So, uh, Olivia and Kate, what's the best way to reach you for more details? I know you've got a GoFundMe campaign going on, so the best way to reach you also for people to make contributions for your efforts. Um, yeah, I think that our biggest platforms right now are our social media. So our personal high school's uh, Instagram account is at SJHStudentWalkout. Um, that's the same name as our Facebook page. Soon we'll be forming a social media presence for, like, our entire coalition, and that will be SOC for change number 4. Um, and you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, hopefully Twitter as well. So that would probably be the best way to reach us. Okay. And Charles? What's important is they have to recognize that Daryl Issa is not going to run for re-election. So they know. We're going to get involved with uh, who are going to be the candidates. We have people like Mimi Walters, who supported the reciprocity bill, H.R. 38, which is terrible. We have Dana Rohrbacher, who also was a co-sponsor and voted yes on that. We have Ed Royce, who is retiring, and we have an open race there. We have four key congressional races right here in our very own county, so it's so important that we get everybody out, we get them registered. It's the ballot box that's going to be important. June 5th, everybody. That's the primary. And the top two vote-getters, regardless of party, are going to advance to the general. So we have some very complicated ballots around that. So uh, we see how uh, we can... And Charles, the best way to follow the Brady campaign's next events and organizing around Orange, these Orange dates... Orange County, all one word, at BradyMail.org. And we'll include that in and the summary. Also, if they follow us on our Facebook, that would be great. We are going to post all of these different events. We are going to post the different uh, town halls. Um, we need to have folks asking the questions about universal background checks on the federal level. 
limiting the size of magazines on the federal level. We need to ban assault weapons on the federal level, and we need to have the gun violence restraining order on the federal level. We don't need to bog them down with bill numbers because that's an excuse for them not to answer. We need for them to step forward and tell us what they think about the actual topic. We need to pin them down. So we've heard from Olivia and Kate, and they, they have more to, of an origin story to tell us about how, how they were motivated. We can get to go to, into all those details, unfortunately. And we're, we're hearing about movement on their campus. Nobody's was aware. Nobody's been thinking about what San Juan Hills High School has been doing in mobilizing on, in political activity. But, and now they are. Charlie, how does it feel to hand the torch to the activists like Kate and Olivia? It's just fantastic. You know, Mary Lee and I have been in this for almost yes. a, quarter, well, for a quarter of a century, two, no? Two, quarter of a century. Yeah, golly, I didn't think I was that old, Claudia, but <laughs> there it is. And each year we've been able to make progress, and each year we've been able to put something together in Sacramento, which affects one out of every eight Americans, because that's the size of California. It's really exciting to know that we're now going to go and put this on the national scheme and this social media is such a fantastic new thing for folks like Mary Lee and I. We just stand in awe, and we also appreciate the fact that San Juan Hills, they decided that reasonable people can agree to disagree, but you can have your opinion, and you have the opportunity to go to the polls and voice that opinion. And I really salute them for their effort. Okay. Olivia and Kate, accepting the torch? For sure, 100%. Thank you so much. And that, that was Olivia. Kate, you get the last word. Oh, well, yeah, definitely. One thing I just want to mention Please. is that we are really pushing students to get to the polls. Yesterday we registered 172 of our peers to wow. register to vote or pre-register to vote, and that is day, only day one of all of the days this week. Well, that's a number to fly up and down the beach, <laughs> the number registered. That's well done. Well, I want to thank all three of you for not just the mobilizing, and but also making the time amidst so many activities, because when you've got so many marches around the corner, there uh, is precious little time for interviews. But we're so glad to get to cover this with you today. Thank you so much for having us. I'm really glad we could do this. My guests were Charles Black, board member of the Orange County chapter of the Brady Campaign for the Prevention of Gun Violence, and Olivia Fu and Kate Finman, student activists organizing on March 14th and the 24th from San Juan Hills High School in Southern uh, Orange County. And so I wish you well on tomorrow's uh, March. We'll, we'll, we'll or walk out, that is, and we'll stay tuned with uh, more to come. Well, that's my wrap. Next week, we'll have on UCI climate scientist Keith Moore on what trends in phytoplankton, the menu supporting fish populations that they're telling us about the ocean's health. Not looking all that good, folks. Talk with you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening.